Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to not take that bait that Satan throws at us. Help us to understand what temptation is all about and help us to know how to battle it with your mighty power. We pray this in your name. Amen. As we begin the message on this morning, I want to begin by focusing in on why do we exist as a congregation. We've had a mission and purpose for quite some time. A number of months ago, the board of directors um, tasked me and, and our strategic planning team to work on a vision statement for our, our church, you know, a vision statement that kind of lays out the ideal future. What are we aiming at? And we went to work on that, and we took it through staff and some of our members and, and back to the board of directors. And I want to share with you what that vision statement is. It says, to build a vibrant community of disciples who share the deep and wide love of Christ in the church community and world. And this is pretty much based right from the Bible. When Jesus gives us a great commission, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so he lays it out there, and our desire is to fulfill that commission, and really it's, it's a paraphrase of those very words. Our mission has been the same for many years, leading people to follow Jesus. And our purpose focuses on three words, discover, develop, declare. Discovering faith in Jesus Christ, and, and from that getting involved in an active worship life, not just like we are on a Sunday morning, but all week long. Developing our faith in God's word and to the point where we desire to be in his word and we want to be in Bible study with others. And we don't have to have people tell us to do that. We want to be growing in his word. Declaring our faith through lives of service and, and telling people about Jesus Christ and showing people um, about Jesus Christ and how we live our lives and through what we say. This is what we are aiming at as far as is our congregation, our mission, our vision, also our purpose. But let me tell you something. <clears throat> Satan wants to do everything he can to distract us, to get us off of focus. And that's what temptation is, is all about. You see, there's love and there's sin. There's a lot of commandments in the Bible, but Jesus summarized it all and says, love God and love your neighbor. And if it flows through God's love, that's the way it's supposed to be. Sin is living outside the bounds of that love. And what temptation is, is Satan's way to try to lead us astray. To get us off of love. Get us off mission. Off focus. And to be attached to things in the world. To worship other things or anything else other than our God. And so we, in our Old Testament lesson for today, we see an example of, from the very beginning of, of time on this planet, how... Adam and Eve fell into sin. And they had a perfect relationship with God. And what happened? Satan comes along and he tempts Eve. And you know, Adam is just as guilty as Eve. And what he does is he takes the word of God and he twists it. Because they had one simple rule. Don't eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. Don't touch or you will die. And so what happens? Satan comes along and says, hey, if you eat that fruit, you're going to become like who? God. Pretty flattering power. And so Eve gives in that temptation, and so does Adam. Sin comes in the world, and everything begins to fall apart. The problem in this life is sin. But right away, we see even in Genesis that God makes a promise, that a descendant of Eve is going to come and crush the head of the serpent, and that would one day be Jesus himself. 
So temptation is talked a lot about in the Bible, and I want to you know, share some scriptures with you, and uh, they're going to come up on the screen. If you want to follow along, um, you can if you want to grab a Bible, or I'll just, I'm just going to be reading through them. The first one is 18, verse 7, and it says, Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. And what Jesus is saying here is that temptation is going to happen, okay? It's going to happen. But don't be a person who tempts others. In fact, he even gets stronger in another section of Scripture where he says, it is better to have a millstone tied around your neck and be thrown in the ocean to cause others to fall into sin. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Again, very clear, there's going to be temptation in this life. But when you call upon God, he's going to help you. He's going to protect you. If you take on the temptation yourself with your own powers, we're going to get creamed. But we call upon God, call upon his strength. He will be there. He will provide for us a way out. Hebrews 4.15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus was tempted more than any of us. But he never got distracted. He stayed true to his mission. He never gave in to sin. He never gave in to the temptation. And another one from James, chapter 1, 13 through 15. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So what we see here is that there's a process. You know, Satan tempts. You know, maybe he's putting a thought in your head. You begin to think about it, and your mind begins to become obsessed with it, and it can lead to an action. An action that's repeated over and over again becomes a habit. Habit that becomes ingrained becomes your character. And his whole goal is to mess up your life and to give you a lot of character flaws. And I guarantee you, we all have character flaws. How do we change those character flaws? We need to change the way we what? Think. We need to start thinking differently. In fact, we're going to see from, from Jesus, from his word, that he says to us that even in 2 Corinthians 10.5, take every thought and make it obedient to the word of God. The key is that we begin to think scripturally. And that leads to the section from our gospel, the temptation of Jesus, from Matthew chapter 4. And what we see here is that for 40 days, Jesus is in the wilderness, and he's not eating, okay? Anybody ever gone 40 days without eating? Even a day without eating? You know, in fact, I've learned, don't ever shop for food when you're hungry, okay? If you shop for food and you're hungry, what do you buy? You buy all the stuff you're not supposed to buy. But for 40 days, he's hungry, he's weakened, and Satan tempts him. Satan goes after him, giving him, him his strongest stuff. And the first thing he tempts Jesus with is, is with um, worldly things. And it says, 
The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. His first temptation with worldly stuff. Okay? And even today, how does Satan work in our lives so often? He wants us to be attached to worldly stuff. It might be money. It might be fame. It might be your appearance. It might be cars. It could be addictive behaviors. And what happens? When we pursue those things and make those things more important than God, we we lose focus of our mission. Our focus is, is to follow God's plan, his purpose, his mission, his vision for our lives. But Satan is trying to distract us. He's trying to pull us away to be attached to these worldly things. And as we're attached to those worldly things so often, those things are going to disappoint us. We're going to find our lives being a roller coaster, going up and down. But how does Jesus combat the situation? He comes back with the true and pure word of God. The second temptation. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand in the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. The second temptation is doubt. He takes the word of God. Satan knows the word of God. He twists it. He tries to create doubt. Hey, Jesus, just throw yourself out of the temple and have those angels come and pick you up. He's twisting the scriptures. I think so often what Satan does in our lives through temptation, he makes us doubt our faith. Ever happened to you? You doubt your faith? You doubt, is God's word really true? There's all these religions out there. Maybe there's a lot of different ways to get to heaven. We begin to have doubt. He wants that doubt because what does that doubt do? It leads us away from God. It takes us off focus. Takes us off center. And we again get attached to the wrong kinds of things. And again, we see what Jesus does here is that he comes back with the pure word of God to combat Satan. The third temptation. And it says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Satan has a lot of power. He's offering Jesus a lot of worldly power. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The third temptation is worldly power. And I think as human beings, we want to be in control. We want to have power. But what happens when people have too much power? There's a saying, absolute power corrupts how? Absolutely. And so often it's power pulls us away from what really matters the most. It pulls us away from the power of the universe, which is God, and we are now limiting in our limited earthly power and finding misery in the process. But each time what we see here is that with every temptation, Jesus comes back with a pure word of God. And so what are Jesus' tactics? There's three I want to talk about. Number one is that he 
focuses on knowing and living out the Word. He is the embodiment of God's Word, the fulfillment of God's Word. And so he's living out that Word. And and with that, I think it's so important for us in our lives to realize that's what we're called to do as well. He lives out the Word. Secondly, we see throughout Scripture he prays. Even the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was to die, he prayed that night. Time and time again, we see him go off by himself, and he would pray, seeking his father's direction, his father's um, power, because he's still human. As God, he's powerful. As human, he's like one of us. And so as a human, human aspect of his being, he prays the Father. We are called to pray. In spiritual warfare, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the armor of God and, and how to do spiritual warfare. Five times it says, pray, pray, pray. We want to see the power of God unleashed. It's through prayer, not our power. Surrendering to his mighty power. And the third thing is be on the offensive and stay true to the mission. That's what Jesus did. He never got distracted. Even in the weakest condition that he was for 40 days having not eaten, he stayed true to his mission. And when he left the wilderness, he went and fulfilled his mission to go to a cross, to die for our sins to rise again. And because of what he did, we're here today. Because he did not get distracted, we have hope for all eternity. And that's the example we see for us. And so, you know, turn this around. You know, we see that Satan still attacks us and the church in the same way as he did 2,000 years ago. His battle is against the church. And what I see in our world today I see Christianity struggling in the United States of America as far as the organized aspect of worship. Why is it struggling? I hear so many people, they're blaming the world, they're blaming society. We have nobody to blame but who? Ourselves. You know, Jesus said, go and make what? Disciples. And what we have across our country, a lot of people that believe in Jesus but they don't know very much about the Bible because life is so busy and we don't have time to be in the Word, so we think because other things have come into play. I think so often we have been distracted and we think that other things in life are more important than they really are. And I think it's part of of Satan's ploy. I think sometimes the church and sometimes we may fall into that type of thing. So what should we do in response to this? And here's the challenge. We exist to lead people to follow Jesus. And so Jesus' tactics are the ones that we should be using as well. That number one, that we need to know and live out the word of God. Not just know it in our minds. I think so often we're so focused on information, it's more than just information in our mind. You know, Satan had information, understanding of of God's word, but he didn't live it out. He twists it. We need to understand the word and focus on how we can live and think scripturally. To be people of prayer. When temptation hits, and I guarantee it hits, and, and sometimes that knock is, is on the door of the head, and, and you're, here, you're feeling these thoughts that are, you know they're not the right thoughts, and you cannot let your mind go down the path, the best thing to do right then and there is what? Pray. And Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And Thirdly, be on the offensive. 
Okay? I see a church so off on the defense. If we have the weaponry, the power of God, the love of God, the most powerful force in the universe, to be on the offensive and to stay true to the mission and the vision that God has for us. Yes, our church has a vision and mission. My question is, do you have a personal vision and mission? I went through a process in the last couple of weeks on you know, reforming my own personal vision and mission. And mine came out exactly the same as our church's. That's what I want to do in my life. What is your personal vision and mission? And I pray it's in alignment with, with God's word. And to stay true, that don't get distracted by what Satan is trying to do. In closing, this last week, I had a um, friend of mine in town. He's a, um, been a consultant for churches for over 40 years. And he just, he's, just wrote his 31st book. And he wanted, me to, he wanted to talk to me about his book. <clears throat> And so I met with him. It's kind of the culmination of all his work. And we got together, and it's all about discipleship, this book. And just, he's talking about it, and I'm just getting excited for him, and, and, and I'm getting an advanced copy because I'm going to you know, write an endorsement for the book. And, and as we're talking, we're sitting in a coffee house. And he's from Indiana, and he's got his business partner with him, and I'm sitting with them. And all of a sudden, a gal walks from across the coffee house, and she walks over to us. We, none of us know she is. And she said, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you, she looked at my friend, that what you're doing is exactly what God wants you to do. And whatever this is you're doing, it's going to make a huge difference for God's kingdom. And then she actually began to even talk a little bit about him. And like she, she, God gave her things on her mind that, that she didn't know herself. But it was confirmation to this guy that he's on the right path. And I, she left then. I looked at him. I go, did you ever know her before? He said, nope. She's a complete stranger. And I said, has this ever happened to you before? And he says, lately it's been happening a lot. Which really hit me and confirmed the journey that I've been on for the last two or three years in particular. That God wants us and calls us to go deeper. He never said, go and just make church members. He said, go and make disciples. Baptize them like we just saw for Bo a little bit ago. And then to teach them to obey, what's the next word? Everything I have commanded you. That's a big task right there, folks. But that's what God calls us to be. Things important to us, we want to get involved, don't we? What's the most important thing to us? It should be our relationship, our walk with Jesus. In worship, Bible study, service, and all that we do, that it becomes a part of our life, that our lives are focused on him, but then we are living, letting him live through us as we go out into the world. The front door of the church, again, is not right there. It's out there in the world. In a little bit, we're going out there into the the wilderness of life. And God has a calling for us to not get distracted, to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing in our life is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, sometimes we get distracted. We attach ourselves onto these worldly things, whether it be worldly stuff or doubts, worldly power and We find our lives on a roller coaster ride, but you want something so much better for us. You want us to experience love. You want us to have a life of excitement, adventure, and that's what happens when we follow you more deeply.
It's not about comfort, Lord. You call us out of the comfort zones of our lives to, to get out there and connect. And I, I saw that just a week ago Saturday when almost 120 of our members went and painted houses in South Phoenix and just the excitement that was generated just by the privilege to serve others. Lord, each one of us is on a journey. And help us to realize that we're going to face temptation. We are powerless in ourselves, but we are powerful through you. Help us to keep focused and not be distracted by the ways of this world. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.